G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. 2020, bringing a biblical perspective on life, culture and current events. Weekdays on UCB's Vision Radio Network. Find out more at vision.org.au. Hi, it's Neil Johnson. Welcome to today's 2020 podcast. Remember, you can hear 2020 on the Vision Radio Network weekdays from 10 a.m. Eastern Time. That's from 11 Australian Eastern Summer Time. Well, on the 26th of January in 1788, Captain Arthur Phillip arrived with the first fleet. And fast forward to present times, and Australia Day has become the perfect opportunity to discuss our national identity. On the summer series of 2020, we're celebrating the Australia Day holiday and exploring what Australia Day means. This time last year, we spoke to someone who you'll be hearing over the next week on Vision, author and preacher Cole Stringer. We started the conversation reflecting on the earliest elements of Australia's Christian heritage. With the First Fleet also came the Reverend Richard Johnson and the Word of God. So he um, he brought the Word of God to Australia. In fact, within a few days, they were having a service under a gum tree and he preached the first message in this country. And I know uh, walking through the streets of Sydney, there's a monument there on one of the corners uh, where the first church service was held. And I've stood before that monument uh, a couple of times, uh, just taking in the moment, knowing that that was the very first place that that the first church service in Australia was held. That's right, yes. I've had my photos taken there also. It's exciting, and Richard Johnson, as uh, as I understand it, uh, was commissioned to bring with him his own Bible, but decided to fill his suitcases uh, with all sorts of Bibles and Christian literature. That's right. He uh, he brought down a number of things. I'm just trying to see if I can find here exactly what he did bring down. But he brought down numbers of uh, you know Bibles and tracts and things like that. So. The Word of God came to Australia. Here we go. He bought 100 Bibles, 400 New Testaments, 500 Psalters, 100 Oswald's Necessity for Reading Scriptures, 25 Plain plain Exhortation to Prisoners, 200 Sermons on the Mount, 200 Exercises Against Lying, 50 Woodward's Caution to Swearers, and 200 Christian Soldiers. (laughs) And you look, Kyle, it must have been important to have written literature uh, of Bible and Bible-related topics uh, to be able to establish a Christian foothold in those early days. Well, that's right. And, you know, it's sort of uh, quite amazing, I think, if you read something on Johnson. Obviously, he wasn't just a religious person. He obviously was born again. He talks about here, I entreat you to read the Word of God carefully. He writes to the to the convicts, many of you have Bibles given to you. Begin the day with prayer. If you find it impractical to meditate or to pray from the interruptions you're exposed to. If you have families, you should call them together, pray with them, pray for them. There are many promises made to worshipping families. And those like Abraham who endeavour to teach their children and household to know and serve the Lord God. It must have been a very interesting time getting a church established in those early days uh, with the harshness of the surrounds and the challenges that would have been faced arriving on the First Fleet. Uh, it must have been a tough time getting uh, getting the church together. Oh, definitely. And if 
you look at some of the early pictures, I mean, they look really wussy sort of people, but here's a fellow that would get up, you know, at 4 and a.m. in the morning and ride a horse for hours so that he could preach the word of God to the, to the convicts. You know, and just uh, he wrote a book himself in 1792, and uh, I mean, some of his sermons would fit into a modern church, no problem, problem at all. Cole, there's always a focus, isn't there, when we talk about the First Fleet, uh, of talking about the convicts uh, and how loose they might have been morally, but in amongst the moral depravity that some of those early First Fleets uh, were into, there is a sense in which many of them were very strongly founded with a Christian faith. Well, the, the First Church was actually founded by on land that was provided by a convict that was given his freedom, served his time, and uh, donated the, the land for the first church. So, I mean, obviously, you know, there's got to be some... No one denies the the, the negative side that's always, you know, promoted, but there's a positive side too. I, I like that Johnson's idea. He says... Uh, Johnson had a firm belief that the gospel would triumph in the earth, that all the heathen would turn to the Lord. And from the very beginning, God's sovereign person has sovereign purpose had been clear. There is the destiny for God of God for this nation. So from the very start, they're starting to prophesy there's a destiny of God for this nation, Australia, Southland of the Holy Spirit. So... And of course, uh, that great Southland of the Holy Spirit, uh, it has you know, uh, ramifications, doesn't it? Because it's like a prophetic word spoken over Australia right from the earliest times. And that, uh, of course, uh, that great south land of the Holy Spirit came even well before the First Fleet arrived. 1606. And uh, what do you understand about uh, the sense in which there is something prophetic in calling Australia the great south land of the Holy Spirit? Well, we're one of the few nations in the world that's ever been honoured with the name land of the holy ghost so uh but sadly like not even a lot of christians know uh, very few australians know where the name comes from like just australia they don't have a clue i've spoken at australia day celebrations like you know purely secular ones and they've asked me to just come and speak and i'd say you know it's australia day we're talking about barbecues and beaches but no one even mentions where the name comes from and I'd just go just to share where, where the name come from. And, you know, you'd just get people who come up and say, I never had a clue that where the name even came from. And, uh, you know, names are, are significant because in God's economy, names mean things. They, they indicate character and destiny. Like when God changed the man's character, Saul became Paul, Simon became Peter, because the names always indicate character and destiny. And uh, we're one of the few nations on the face of the earth with the name land of the holy spirit la australia della spiritu santo southern land of the holy ghost so that was spoken in 1606 on the day of pentecost just happened to be the day of pentecost and interesting the man that even brought it down here believed that he was fulfilling the you know the the will of god on his life so you can begin to see the hand of god on our nation from day one you know a question i like to ask some people well, you know, here's a nation, a huge big continent. It's not a, you know, the Dutch are looking for it, the French, everyone's looking for it, the Muslims, everyone else. It's a little, you know, I mean, it's not that small that you could miss it. 
And here comes de Quiros, you know, a Portuguese explorer, but a man that obviously believes it. He so believed it that he he carved the figure of the Apostle Paul on the front of his ship and uh, comes sailing down here, or he arrives in Vanuatu, but he claims this area as the southern land of the Holy Ghost, and he says, I take possession of all this part of the south, as far as the pole in the name of Jesus, which from now on shall be called the southern land of the Holy Ghost, and this always and forever, to the end that the natives, to all natives in the said lands, the holy sacred evangel may be preached zealously and openly. So those words, zealously and openly spoken, that the gospel would be preached. So that's the first words ever spoken by a, you know, a Christian or an, you know, a European explorer over our nation. Then they fired the ship's cannons and they say, said, long live the faith of Christ. So from day one, I like to say to people, well, how come the Muslims never, you know, uh, colonised this place? They were coming here. They consider this a plan of the, a place of evil spirits. I'm from the Northern Territory. They, you can see where they've been coming down for generations to fish and even interbreed with the Aboriginal people, but they never ever colonised this place. They never even contemplated because they considered it a land of the of evil spirits. So you can see the hand of God on our nation from from generations. We're talking about Australia's heritage back to 1788 when the first fleet arrived. Captain Arthur Phillip was the uh, leader in charge. We'll talk to Cole Stringer, author and preacher, some more about Australia's heritage in just a moment. You're listening to the 2020 podcast from the Vision Radio Network. On the Australia Day public holiday as we celebrate being Aussie, we're chatting to author and preacher Cole Stringer about what Australia Day is. Cole's written a number of books that detail Australia's Christian heritage and is regularly encouraging all Australians to reflect on exactly what heritage means. It's interesting that even a lot of people don't even know what the word heritage means. They think it means history. But, you know, it gets your dictionary out. History is the study of dates and places and events. But heritage is something of value that's passed down from generation to generation. And God's really into heritage. You can see that Esau sold his heritage and God hated him. The Bible actually says he hated him. The entire first 17 verses of the New Testament deal with nothing but heritage. At the end of the Old Testament, God's silent, what, for 400 years? And then the first 17 verses of the opening passages of the New Testament all deal with heritage. So it's significant. Even in Psalm 78, it says, Oh, my people, listen to my teachings. Open your ears to what I'm saying, for I'll speak to you in a parable. I'll teach you hidden lessons from our past and stories which we've heard and known, stories our ancestors have handed down to us. We'll not hide these truths from our children, but we'll tell the next generation about the glorious deeds of the Lord. We'll tell about his power and the mighty miracles he did. He commanded our ancestors to teach them to their children so the next generation might know them, even the children not yet born, so they in turn might teach them to their children so each generation can set its hope anew in God, remembering his glorious miracles and obeying his commandments. So it's actually a command to the Jewish fathers to pass that heritage on from one generation to the next. You know, you think about it, how come the Jews without a homeland, now what, for 2,000 years without a homeland, they've never lost their heritage, they've never even lost their language. 2,000 years without a homeland, but maybe Russians, but they're still Russian Jews. They may be Americans, but they still identify as American Jews. 
because they've never lost that heritage, they've never sold that heritage. The fathers pass it on from generation to generation. In contrast, you know, you can take Australia. We don't even have to leave this country. We, we lose our heritage real quickly. I mean, we take on Americanisms and our young people want to go overseas all the time and things like that because I don't think we've got a real understanding of our heritage, what it really means. It's almost like a second-hand heritage. We look at ourselves as repositioned English or American television. I'm not anti any of that, but I just don't want to hand-me-down heritage. I want, I'm a fifth-generation Australian. I want to pass my forefathers' heritage on to my children, my grandchildren. And I believe that's scriptural. Mm. Cole, as I look at uh, the history of Australia, the first 150 years, there has to be a huge Christian heritage that was established, and we're talking about that cultural development of Christian belief, because by the 1920s, and we're talking around 150 years uh, after the First Fleet arrived, almost everyone in Australia was a believer and part of a local church. Well, if you... Uh, newspapers like at the turn of the century you have a look and something like 60 to 70 percent of all the people went to church yep now i'm not saying they were all born again but obviously there's a you know an understanding of god uh, I, i'd say that possibly 90 percent of our forefathers i'm talking about explorers uh, politicians uh, governors people like that uh, what i've studied i'd say almost 90 percent openly acknowledge some sort of you know, faith in the Lord Jesus. I'm not saying we didn't make some mistakes. I'm not saying everybody did the right thing. But they, there is an acknowledgement, you know. There is something there, even back to James Cook. I mean, James Cook carries a Bible with him, given to him by his wife. He names places like Trinity Bay, Whitsunday Passage, Providential Island. It's obviously the man's not a Hindu. And uh, on Sunday, every Sunday aboard ship, James Cook would take the Sunday services and read the scriptures. He openly writes and talks about the hand of God on his life. In fact, I've got a quote here. I love what he writes. He writes back to the, the Quaker brothers, the Walker brothers, where he served his apprentice. I should hardly have troubled you with a letter. Was it not customary for men to take leave of their friends before they go out of the world? When I think of the inhospitable parts that I'm going to, I think this voyage will be dangerous. I, however, enter upon with great cheerfulness, providence, the hand of God, has been very kind to me on many occasions, and I trust in the continuation of that divine protection upon my life. James Cook. It's amazing. And when you look at leaders, uh, right from Captain James Cook uh, through many of the early leaders in Australia's uh, heritage, they are men who have, and I've got to say that because it's primarily uh, men who were the leaders in those days, but it's men who have had a deep faith and certainly a very public faith in God. Well, Charles Sturt's one of the obvious ones, I think, like Manning Clark, the history of Australia. Now, Manning Clark was no Christian probably closer to being, you know, a socialist. But he writes about Charles Sturt and calls him a modern, model Christian character. He says every letter that Sturt writes to his wife, every letter openly acknowledges the Lord Jesus Christ, either starts off or finishes off with his love for the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and he prophesies there is a destiny for this nation. You know, just recently I was talking to a uh, uh, you know, a minister, a different group to me, I think more, a little bit socialistic, and he was on again about the invasion of Australia 
you know, and I, and I said, you know, well, isn't it amazing, you know, and I was talking about the terrible things we've done. Well, no one denies there, weren't, there were some bad things done. But I kept saying there's another side to the story. Scripture says that any person that makes up his mind after hearing one side of a story is a fool. I said the other side of the story is almost all of our forefathers openly acknowledge some sort of faith. Now, Sturt writes, you know, about the, about the Aboriginals, treat them as equals, he says, treat them as Christian brothers until, uh, brothers until they came to the same, uh, you know, saving knowledge that we've experienced. And he says, don't give them trifling gifts, respect them, look after them. I said, it's a little bit different to, you know, the way it's portrayed today. We're all bloodthirsty killers and want to wipe them out and all this sort of thing. I said, you know, it's a little bit dishonourable, not only dishonourable, it, it's, it's dishonest, that, you know, just to promote one side of a story and not tell the other. That's right, and uh, there needs to be an honesty as we look at, at heritage, and uh, I think uh, no one wants to deny that there is a uh, black heritage there that runs parallel. Uh, but what you're saying is that people don't talk about the Christian heritage as much as they should because that's the cultural heritage that has brought us the sorts of freedoms and developed the sort of character that we have had in Australia up until recent times. Uh, but, of course, now there are some things that are chipping away at some of those uh, godly characteristics that have helped shape Australia, and well, I guess that's a, a, a chat for another day, isn't it? Well, definitely. I mean, history is coloured by the person writing it. If you're getting, you know, communist, socialist, you know, left-wing type writing, it's obviously they're not going to promote anything to do with God or Christianity. But I, I said to a lawyer some time ago, well, answer me a question. I said, why do we, when we go to court, why do we swear on the Bible? Why don't we swear on the Koran or some Buddhist book? And he just looked at me and he said, because this was founded on Christian principles, you idiot. I said, so even then the legal system acknowledges our Christian heritage. That's right, and uh, of course our legal system dates far back beyond Australia's uh, own physical history, doesn't it? Well, our legal system's based upon uh, Westminster. Westminster's based upon Magna Carta. Magna Carta was written by a man of God using the Bible as its reference. I mean, things like jurisprudence, innocent till proven guilty, come directly from the Bible. Go to a Muslim country and see if that, that, that applies. I mean, things like where God tells, uh, you know, Moses to select leaders of tens and twenties and fifties and hundreds, uh, that you can see the basis for local government, state government, federal government. It's all there. We're not as smart as what we think we are. It comes directly from the Bible. And all this week on Vision, we'll be celebrating Australia's Christian heritage, so keep listening. To find out more about some of the Christian heritage of Australia that Cole Stringer's been talking about, check out some of his books at ucbdirect.com.au. Like what you've just heard? There's more great podcasts, or you can listen to us live at vision.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. Your donation of any amount will help us continue connecting faith to life. Learn more or donate today at vision.org.au.